Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to talk about Farscape Season 3, Episode 8. Green-Eyed Monster. There's there's a lot of stuff that I should like in this episode, but eh. Okay, so the weird thing for me about this episode is that it's such a... It feels like such a placeholder episode. Like, it's not good, it's not bad, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's there. It's what happens when you have 22 episodes. Except that a lot of major things happen in this episode. Really? Like, character, emotional things. There's a lot of really important emotional beats in this story. Mm. So, this is where uh, Aaron hooks up with Scar Joe. Yes, the John who has the scar. Who we are referring to as Scar Joe to uh, distinguish him from the other John. So, this is the John that was in the explosion at the Pleasure House. Mm. Also, this episode was written by Ben Browder. Huh. Yep. Huh. Yep. I really... More stuff should happen in this episode. It feels weirdly... Time-killy. Like... I think that might be because there's a lot of emotional stuff happening, and the action is really secondary. I don't know. Normally, action feels like it's time-killy to me. Like, I'm... I'm not an action scene person. So, Aaron, Scarjo, and Crace are on Talon. Along with Rigel and Stark. Really? They're also on... Well, as this episode opens, they're off Talon because they were doing recon stuff. But if we're talking about the way the cast has been split in half for the next little while, they're the half that are on this ship. And... Well, they're on, they're on Moya. On Talon. Rigel and Stark are on Talon. Really? It feels like they're not on the same ship as... Not In this episode, they're not on Talon, because they were because they left Talon to do a recon mission. But they're, they're with this group, because essentially the cast has been split into two groups for the next few episodes. Okay, so are they on, like, a probe or something? Where are they, then? I, they're I on thought, a transport. I thought they were on Moya. Because I know that they're not on Talon. But... Oh, no, no. They're just on one of Talon's transport ships. Okay. Can I just briefly say how much I hate that Stark keeps getting paired with Rigel? Like, it's the worst. It seems overly comedic. And for a show that does such a good job at dealing with what post-traumatic stress would actually look like in this world... What it would actually be like to be John and go through what John has gone through. I feel like they play Stark's PTSD for comedy a little too much. Yeah, especially... By which I mean at all. Yes. He's got a lot of the Drusilla craziness comedy. You know, this character is crazy. Wow! Which is just... Also, he keeps doing these callbacks to my side, your side, my side, your side. He's like, <laughs> remember that? Remember when I was being tortured? Remember the my side, your side thing for when I was being tortured? Like, I don't like Rigel at the best of times, but he's so much more annoying when he's paired with Stark, a character I genuinely like a lot. Although, God knows, not in this episode. Yeah. And uh, just for our listeners, by the way, since uh, it was confusing to you, just to clarify. Last episode, the two Johns split off because Talon had to escape by starbursting away. Hmm. And so all of the people who were on Talon are stuck on Talon. And that's the one John, the one who got the scar. So Scar Joe, Aaron, Stark, Rigel, and then 
Krace, because it's Talon. And on the other ship is Dargo, Chiana, Pilot, and Jewel. And regular John. And regular John. And the way this is going to go for the next few episodes is we're going to go back and forth between those two storylines. So the next episode will be what's happening on that ship. Hmm. So good news, no Rigel Stark stuff for you next episode. Well, the thing is, I like Stark. It's just I don't like Stark with Rigel. Right. I mean, the reason they're getting paired up, though, is because to bring us back to what's happening here and the drama of this episode, Green-Eyed Monster, is that Aaron, Crace, and John have their own kind of really dramatic thing going on. So... Rigel and Stark are there too. Rigel and Stark are and the rest on this particular Gilligan's Island adventure. <laughs> Gilligan in space. Was that Th- was a real cartoon? Yeah. yeah. Josie and the Pussycats went to space in the cartoon too. And did the Happy Days gang go into space or was that a time travel thing? I think the Happy Days gang also went into space. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a thing with cartoons in that time period, huh? Yeah. Like take going a to sitcom space. and put it in space. Yeah. Star I, Trek did it. Yeah. But I, <laughs> yeah, this, that was a joke. Although, there, obviously, there was a Star Trek the animated series. I bet the Gilligan's Island people, if they got the original voice cast back, I bet they made more money off that than off the original show because they got really screwed on the original show. Oh, probably then. Like, the guy who did the theme song made more money than any cast member. Well, I mean, to be I, fair. I know that, but, like, I don't think they got residuals from, uh... Reruns? Yeah. Well, that makes sense, because that wasn't a thing people were thinking about... Back then. Back then. So they got screwed out of just so much money, because Gilgan's Island was on all the time, which... I watched one episode with one of my old roommates once, and I was like, how did people watch this? It's, like, unwatchably bad. How have you only watched one episode of Gilligan's Island? It was just on all the time when we were children. I watched so much Gilligan's Island as a child. How? I was a child! I mean, I guess. I, I mean, Lord knows I watched my fair share of crap back in the days, but, like, it's unwatchable bad. Like... I, I, I'm not going to turn up my nose at broad humor, but that, that humor. Well, the thing about Gilligan's Island is it was basically already a cartoon. Yeah. And if you look at it as a cartoon with cartoon logic. Well, I just, I just want to quote from the Alison Pregler. uh, They watched Gilligan's Island crossover episode. Yeah. The one, the, her review of that, like they did a really good job of recreating the Gilligan's Island aesthetic and style of comedy, but the question is, why? Well, this isn't Welcome to the Deserted Island. This is Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Yes, so... On Talon, first of all, John is trying to work, and Talon's DRDs are just, like, harassing him nonstop. They're, like, doing electrical work over his head all the time, and, like, Talon's doors won't open for him. Basically, he's on a ship that hates him. Mm. And... Meanwhile, Aaron is like, they're they're getting the ship healed, right? The ship needs to recover from being attacked. And Aaron's like, oh, I've I've managed to figure out how to make the ship heal faster by turning off propulsion. And Crace is like, you're such a natural. It's almost like you have pilot DNA inside of you and you just inherently understand how to operate a ship. John assumes that Crace is the one who's fucking with him, though, because, you know, Crace is plugged into Talon. And he assumes that Crace is the one that's locking the doors and having the DRDs poke John in the butt and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
And, uh, Aaron is like, oh my god. I can't take all of this male posturing bullshit. John is mad because Winona, his pulse pistol, has disappeared. This episode, for some reason more than any other, this episode really made me think, oh, MCU Star-Lord is just John Crichton. I guess... Yep. I mean, Winona's been a thing before, like, he named his gun a while ago. But the fact that, you know, he his gun's named Winona after obvious... Uh, is it obvious? Has enough time passed that Winona Ryder is not in people's minds as a sex symbol? Oh my gosh, maybe it's... Yeah, maybe that's not a thing that people know. But yeah, Winona Ryder, yeah. Who was a sex symbol, you know... Now she's the I, mom I on Stranger Things. Yeah, I don't want to say back in the day, but yes, now she is the mom in Stranger Things. Uh, and, you know, Chris Pratt's ship and, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, MCU Guardians of the Galaxy is the Milano after Alyssa Milano because she was the sex symbol when he got shot into space. Yeah. I mean, I know this is not a new thing. I know James Gunn has talked about it in interviews, but just... It kind of makes me want to rewatch the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, but... But... So if you're listening to this podcast in the future, you should know that the week this podcast is coming out is the week that Chris Pratt did that truly, truly cringe-inducing Instagram post. About how he wanted to devour his wife's heart because she gave him a healthy child. She his has, new wife. She has a pure heart, and it belongs to me, and I love her almost as much as my baseball card collection. Ugh. Yeah, so, so cringe. Peak cringe. Given that, can we just deep fake Ben Browder onto all of Chris Pratt's old roles? I mean, you you, se- you separate the art from the artist. It's Oh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying we should cancel Chris Pratt. I'm just saying that I would enjoy watching Guardians of the Galaxy a lot more if it was Farscape. See... The thing is, I do think that Chris Pratt is genuinely a better actor than Ben Browder. Uh, I hate to admit it, but he does have a kind of, like, charisma that just, yeah. Well, there's this thing, which I think we all kind of do need to get over as a society, where when someone is shitty in real life, it makes you want to kind of disregard them being talented at a specific thing. Oh, no, I totally agree with that. Because if you assume that someone, if you say, oh, no, this person is a crappy person and also a crappy actor, then the inverse of that implies that if somebody is a good actor, they then, can't possibly be a crappy person if their heart is, if their heart is pure. Yeah, like, J.K. Rowling is a shitty transphobe, but the Harry Potter series is good. I'll- uh... You can see a lot of the, like, there's a lot of really creepy anti-Semitic stuff with the goblins and... There's a lot of bad stuff in it. There's a lot of bad stuff in it, but there is a reason those books were popular. I mean, Chick-fil-A is always my go-to. Like, people who are like, oh, they're homophobic and they're bad. Yeah, the sandwiches aren't even that good, and it's like... That's no, they're the... they're really good. I, I, boycotting them is, is a thing because they're good sandwiches. And by the way, just if you are pickle juice, it's because they marinated in pickle brine. Mm. That's that's why they're that's why their chicken breasts are so good. But yeah, it's not. Yes, no, I totally agree with you on that. It's just that I have so much secondhand cringe from all the stuff Chris Pratt has done in the last few years that I can't look at his face without cringing now, despite the fact that he is a good actor. Well, I mean, he's not a good actor, but this is my thing with Tim Allen. 
where he's been in some very good stuff, but I can't, I, like, I'm not going to watch any of the Toy Story movies until he's dead. Really? Yeah, I didn't want to see the fourth one in theaters because I hate him that much. Oh, it's just with Toy Story, there are so many other people involved in it. I know, I know. And, like, the later Toy Story movies really try to push him out, too. Like, Buzz barely had a plot Right? In the last yeah, one. it's not like watching uh, Big Trouble. Yeah. The book was better. Well, the movie's good, though. I mean, but. The Except book for Tim good. Allen. Except for Tim. Oh. Yeah. Well, are you going to watch the new Lightyear movie? I have no plans to watch it. If you're going to watch it, I will watch it with you. I'm probably going to watch it, but it's not It's not Tim Allen. Yeah, apparently some conservative. I saw some conservatives were complaining that they cast, you know, Chris Evans instead of Tim Allen in it because, you know, oh, it's, it's Hollywood's war against the right-wing people. And someone else, I think it was Cheryl Lynette, uh, I think it was Cheryl Lynn Easton, was like, no... It's because middle-aged uh, stay-at-home moms don't want to masturbate to Tim Allen the way they want to masturbate to Chris Evans. Chris Evans is a very attractive man. He's the most popular of the Marvel Chris's, and he will get how he'll he'll get women in seats, and those women will take their children. Speaking as a middle-aged mom, that is accurate. Also, I just I I just want to plug that I I recut the Lightyear trailer over the Farscape opening monologue and it's on our YouTube page and I'm so proud of it. It's really good. It syncs up really I mean all of uh, all of the Disney Marvel space stuff is basically just Farscape without the sex. Yes, without the strong strong S&M overtones. You might have realized from the fact that we're talking about a lot of stuff that isn't this episode. Nothing really happens in this episode. Okay, so let's talk about the plot that is happening. Basically, they start cresting over this planet that they're on, and they see a live budong. In fact, at first they think it's a moon, and they're like, what? There shouldn't be a moon here. And John is like, that's no moon! It's a space station! No, just kidding, it's a budong! I hope you had your magnetic boots on for that incredibly long walk. (laughs) Anyway, as you'll recall from a previous episode where they were mining a dead budong, a budong is a giant space whale... I really think it should be bigger than it is here. Like, it looks... I mean, it's big enough to swallow Talon Hole, but it doesn't look, like, as big as the dead Budong we saw. I guess it could just be a younger Budong. Yeah, probably. Anyway, apparently it's very rare to see them alive, and uh, this is is really a ship within a ship, right? Because they're already on a Leviathan, a class of ship whose name derives from the creature that swallowed Jonah in the Bible. Hey bro, I heard you like Jonah's stories, so we put a Jonah story in your Jonah story. <laughs> right? So now the Leviathan is going to be swallowed by a budong. Okay, and it takes them 40 minutes to realize, hey, maybe if we make it throw up, it'll throw us up and we can leave. 40 minutes. Yeah, well, there, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it's just, how does it take 40 minutes to think, how do we get out of this creature's throat? Vomiting. It takes 40 minutes and Rigel throwing up on Stark, which, that shouldn't be a Chekhov's gun. No, no, it's it's that house thing, right, where house is like, wait, say that last part again? And then he, like, has an idea, except instead of Rigel saying something, Rigel vomits. You saying that is much funnier than anything that happens between... <laughs> between Stark and Rigel. Yeah. So Talon is freaking out because they just got swallowed by a bigger ship. 
and Aaron, fair. Right. But Aaron is able to calm him down. Aaron is like, okay, focus on one thing you can see and one thing you can hear and one thing you can smell, which, by the way, if, if for our listeners who don't know, is a common technique for dealing with a uh, panic attack, if you're having a panic attack. Mm. Uh, so... It starts this awful bit where... Uh, Grace is like, uh-oh, we're going down, and and John's like, hey, we don't want to go down, we want to go up and out, and Grace is like, but we're going down, and John's like, but we shouldn't go down, and it's like, oh my god, we get what the situation is. John says, John says we should drop an anchor, and Grace is like, it's not a real ship, we don't have an anchor although i guess we could shoot harpoons into the side of the budong so that we stop moving which is essentially what an anchor is craze yeah are are we just are we just quibbling over very small terms here like no that's exactly what he's doing craze is quibbling over small terms by the way so irritating when people do that in real life well it's supposed to be irritating here because he doesn't like john and he wants Aaron to stay on Talon and be Talon's, like, adoptive mother in their weird little family. And if she's in love with John, that's going to be a big problem. Because she's going to leave with John and go back to Moya. Also, they can't starburst because then the episode would be over. Well, we don't really get a good explanation to why they can't starburst. We do. We get an explanation at the very beginning because they took propulsion offline so that Talon could heal faster and they can't get it back up. Why? He's injured. I mean, it, it was online before they took it offline, right? Yeah. Also, I think you need space to starburst and they're inside of a budong. Also, uh, the guns are off because then the episode would be over if they weren't. Yes, that's true. A lot of this is just the episode would be over if, you know, anything. Well, I mean, that's kind of the deal, right? We've been introduced to Leviathans as the super powerful thing. So we have to make them less powerful by... She's pregnant. She was on fire. Uh, she's sad because her baby's missing. She Her her space foot fell asleep. And... Pilot disconnected from her so that they could do a natural connection, which will take years to actually happen. And it's... You could just introduce a less powerful ship if this is all going to be issues. Well, then you have Talon, who is that, except, like, with guns. And it's like, okay, how do we take Talon down? And it's... It, it... He's a baby. You could be like, someday he will grow up to be this, that, and the other. You don't have to be like, okay, he's the most powerful thing ever, except... Oops, he got a boo-boo and now he's not anymore. Right, well, they have to make it an anime where an even more powerful ship has come and uh, injured Talon. So that's where we are now. A more powerful ship, which is part of a crew being led by Aaron's mom. I just wanted to remind everyone of that. Also, uh, you know, not... Uh, I know it's a Jonah story, so they're not going to do it. But, like, maybe, maybe chew your food before swallowing it. That's no, no. That's not how whales eat. Basically, Talon is like krill. Yeah, but krill are like that much smaller. Like, yeah, I guess. Like whale whales are so so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of times bigger than krill. I guess. Yeah. And even then, they get slushed through the like teeth thing. Yeah. But I know Jonah's story you need to be swallowed whole for Jonah's story. Yeah, you gotta live in the in the belly of the beast. Although they're trying to avoid that. Uh, actually, John says we've been swallowed, Jonah. So 
No, they're trying to avoid going to the belly. Oh, right. Because, okay, so we cut to Rigel and Stark, who were on a transport ship doing whatever they were doing. And they're like, wait, how come the ship's not here? And then Stark sees the Budong and starts freaking out because I guess he knows about Budongs? Stark's kind of the exposition guy because he reminds Rigel about Aaron's mom and, you know, the murder squad that's after them. And then he sees the Budong and he explains what a Budong is for those of you who missed the Budong episode. Okay, so I was going to justify him being the exposition guy because if he has the memories of all of the people that he's helped usher into death in his head, then it makes sense that he has a wide range of knowledge. Um, but yeah, he's like, no, Budongs who are alive are super dangerous. Oh, he guided uh, Zan into death, so I guess that's why he would know about... Uh... No, because he's seen a live Budong. Oh. Well, I, I meant more... Uh... No, I guess Anne wasn't around for the Aaron Death Squad, uh, Aaron's Bomb Death Squad thing. Yeah, no, but but Stark was. Yeah. So Stark can't just guide the Budong to barfing. I mean, I know that's what happens later in the episode, but okay. Well, he he can only guide people to death. It's a one. It's a it's a one way trip. It's a it's not a car. It's a track. <laughs> anyway, Stark shuts down everything on the module because I guess. Budongs are attracted to the electricity. That's how they, like, find food. It's weird that it came after Talon after uh, Aaron turned all that stuff off then. I guess it sensed the energy of its healing Mm. systems. I mean, I guess Talon probably still had some stuff running because everyone inside him didn't die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Aaron goes back in and she's like, hey, Grace, everything's okay now. And he's like, okay, good. Can we talk about us? She points out it's warm in here. Which, yes. you know, sebations. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Talon made it hot so that she would unzip her jacket, which is totally what happened. I, I think, because Ta- Talon's trying to get Chris and Aaron together because Talon wants Aaron to be its mom too. Talon wants to parent trap these two together. Yes, this is essentially a parent trap where the exes are living inside <laughs> the child who has been swallowed by a larger child. I, I don't, I, I think this is where the analogy breaks down, but... Also, a lot of the emotional crux of this episode is the time that Aaron and uh, Stark spent with Talon off screen in between seasons, which mm-hmm. is probably why I think a lot of this doesn't land emotionally, because it's it's kind of relying on relationships we did not see develop. Yes. Well, and this is what's happening now. Talon has left out a video chip for John to watch that showed the moment that we did see where Aaron offered to go with Crace and do whatever Crace wanted in exchange for saving Moya and everyone on it. I really like John's outfit this episode. He's got kind of this jumpsuit with Tron lines on it. I like it a lot more than his, uh, like, stolen peacekeeper duds. I like that it matches what... Aaron and Crace are wearing, which suggests that this has been manufactured by Talon to be like a Talon uniform. It's kind of neat. It's a little superhero-y, but, you know. Yeah, I like it. There's a lot of overlap between these genres, so. No, I'm with you. I like it, too. So this is, if we're going with the parent trap analogy, this is basically like the kid from the parent trap 
showing the dad's new fiance a sex tape of him with the mom. Yes, yes. Talon has edited the video so that it's Aaron having sex with Grace and then turning to look meaningfully at the watcher, who in this case is John, as though to say, I'm with Grace now, John. We are a family. You should go. Maybe not the time for this, Talon. I, as we have said many times, Talon is a toddler with a gun. Point. So John comes into the command center where Aaron and Crace were talking and he's like, oh, see you two are talking about stuff. Yeah, this whole episode is kind of one very long, awkward moment. It is! That that awkward moment when your girlfriend and her ex-commanding officer, who's also the guy who used to be hunting you, seem like they're about to hook up, but it was all a ruse manufactured by the ship that you're all living inside of. Hate when that happens! So, Chris is like, look, we're here right now, but... Budongs are really big. If we just fly down, you know, through the stomach, I'm sure we can just go out the anus and, you know, go along our way. And John's like, uh, no, that's super gross. And Chris is like, okay, this whole situation is gross, John. And he's like, what about stomach acid and stuff? And Right? And Chris is like, look, if we fly very quickly, if we're... If we're fast food, then we'll just shoot right through it, and then... John's like, we're not corn! And it, and he's he's not saying it, but, like, do you know what intestines do to the food you swallow? This is not a thing Talon is going to survive. And this is before they know what Stark is about to tell them, which is that Budongs don't have stomach acid, they have stomach fire that incinerates their food, which... Wait, how would that... How do you get the energy from... Maybe they're like giant furnaces. Huh. Are Budong steam-powered? Are they steam-powered organic creatures? I think maybe this just wasn't thought out very well. Because I, 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 I don't think the point... The point of stomach acid is to break food down. Right, well, so... But, Why, but fire would just... Fire, I feel like fire wouldn't really serve the same function. Yeah, I guess not. But remember, you're using sci-fi terms for what is essentially a fantasy creature. Like, a lot of dragons in sci-fi have fire in their stomachs. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, Aaron tells John that she has decided that she is going to get hooked up with Talon. Like, she's going to get the thing in the back of her neck that uh, lets her be a piece of talent and, and be a little pilot. And John's like, um, no, you already decided not to do that. And she's like, it's okay. There's a less invasive one now. Okay. It's totally safe now. And John's like, you just want to be a family with Grace and Talon. And he says to her, you're just looking for that peacekeeper family that you've been looking for since the moment we met. And that's, that's accurate. She joined up with Moya because she was deemed, by Crace, irreversibly contaminated. And she talked a lot at the beginning about how she had no home or or people to return to anymore. Mm. And John was ready to be, you know, her home, her people. But he thinks that she's going to choose Crace, an ex-peacekeeper, over her. Because mm. he comes from the same place. Mm. Yep. 
that is the situation. Meanwhile, Stark and Rigel <laughs> Yeah, Stark and Rigel are arguing, and then Rigel throws up on Stark. This is Chekhov's vomiting puppet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just... It's too broad. The comedy's too broad. And I like Stark, but this is just... This is bad comedy. This is just him, you know... We already have John for mugging at the screen. Like, we don't need two people who just yell everything. If I wanted to watch... There's I'll... only so much scenery, you can't both chew it! Mm. So, John is mad at lashing out at Aaron, and I'm kind of surprised. Did did they just keep the scars so that there'd be a way to tell the two Johns apart? Because I'd think that healing science would be able to get rid of a simple scar. It's not very big or anything. Yeah, it is weird that they keep it. There's no... Yeah, it's it's strange. It it doesn't seem like they need to keep it. Mm. I mean, there's only one John per ship at this point. So, meanwhile, it's sexy times in the heart of the child that wants to hook up Grace and Aaron. Like, is, is Talon intentionally making it hotter so they'll have to strip down? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, Aaron's taking off her clothes so that she can get the thing in the back of her neck, but... Grace is watching like, yes! And, <laughs> and the whole thing's just very... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, she gets the thing in the back of her neck, and now she's, like, hooked up to Talon, which she she gets this... Uh, Claudia Black is such a star. I, I feel like I've been seeing her on my timeline a lot lately, which I appreciate more people understanding what, like, a goddamn treasure she is. Mm -hmm. But... She owns every scene she's in just with her facial expressions. Like, the, I know you joke about the opening intro to this where John says, uh, you know, should I give up looking for home? But then you'll never know the wonders I've seen. And you're like, John, you're being hunted a lot. Have you seen that many wonders? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I would be okay with you not bringing the aliens that rip out people's eyeballs to Earth. I'm fine with that. But Aaron, when she's hooked up to Talon and she can basically see space from the point of view of a spaceship, like, her face conveys the wonders that I've seen. Shouldn't she just be seeing Budong throat? Well, she also has all of his memories. We get, like, a uh, flash of all of the things he's seen. Yeah. So the DRDs are making fun of John. <laughs> And John's, like, sad face because he, he feels guilty about yelling at Aaron, but also, you know. You know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about when the shows we watch take a turn into horror, which this episode does not. This episode does not take a turn into horror, but it really could have because this is a haunted house for John. This is a, this is a house that does not want him there and is trying to drive him out. So Aaron's merging with Talon... It's, I really like the shots here where we sort of see her mentally going through the ship. And then there's a really cool shot where she's going through the ship and she gets to the hallway where she's in and she gets startled because she comes across herself, which is cool. Yeah, it's... I'm glad they didn't shoot it like a horror movie. This episode was directed by Tony Tilsay, who is just like a pro at the show and... Series mainstay. Yeah, he knew what to do. He knew how to make all of the corridor shots look great in what was probably a single corridor. Mm. So Aaron taps into Talon's 
communication systems and she uh starts hearing rigel who's like hey is anyone there i we we saw you got eaten by that budong so like are you alive or like do we have to hang around here or can we just go somewhere else and aaron's like we're alive don't leave oh oh uh i just have to say stark had tied up rigel because he was worried that Rigel would turn everything back on and they'd get eaten by the Budong. And when Rigel is talking to Aaron over on Talon, Stark comes in and he says, you're loose. And Rigel says, not half as loose as Chiana, which I feel like they threw that line in specifically to remind us that there are other people who exist, even though we don't see them this episode. In case you're watching this episode and you're like, wait, did everyone else die? What's happening? Yeah, I kind of... As you could tell from the beginning of this episode, I kind of thought that uh, that Rigel and Stark were on Moya still. Yep. Nope. Nope. They are. They're. They're in the Talon crew. So Grace says, you know, his plan about just flying through the stomach and going out the anus, and Stark's like, no, that's a bad idea. I know Budongs are big, but you don't want to go in the stomach. The stomach is not a place you want to be. Except he says it all manic like Stark is. Oh yeah, he just screams. He screams it. Which is important because Talon starts freaking out. Talon is like, no, I don't want to go where there's fire! Yes. Oh, yeah, right, because of the burning thing. Oh yeah, the burning thing. But, uh, yeah. Stark was not helping the situation by screaming about how doomed they are if they try Grace's plan. Yeah. It's, Uh It's just... The fact that they needed Rigel to throw up on Stark so that Stark would think, oh, throwing up, that's your way out. <laughs> uh, Aaron calls for John mm-hmm. specifically because Talon is freaking out and she thinks John can calm him, which he can't because of the Bad whole Bad instincts, Aaron. But she understands, right, that John's role is as a bard. Like, in general, it would be right to call on John to, to calm Talon. Right. To calm another person. Mm. And when John runs up there, they realize that no one knows where Crace is. Crace has run off somewhere. So Aaron is using her ability to run through the ship with her mind to figure out where Crace has gone. So he's in the access chamber. Again, I do really like the camera work of Aaron searching mentally through the ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, John asks if she can, like, close doors or whatever to stop him. And... Aaron's like, she, I, she's like, I, it's my first day. <laughs> so she's going to try to hold him off, but John's going to take her gun. Cause remember Winona's missing. Mm. So he takes her gun and goes running to where Crace is. Cause Crace is trying to release the cables that they're anchored with right now, because he's like, no, we are going through the anus. And that is that I have declared it. Crace wasn't in the room when Stark's in his message, right? Yeah. That's, Yes. So Crace isn't just trying to kill them all. No, no, he's not. He's he's basically, you know how you said he was being annoying and he was like being quibbly with language with John? Yeah. Now he's being annoying and he's like, we have to do my plan no matter what, because then I'll prove that I am the commander of this ship. John tells, John finds Crace and he tells him to get his fat, hairy ass away from the, uh, like, rude yeah what a weird you know you're you're all about to die right to and, to quote futurama space madness is no excuse for space rudeness yes 
Oh, and Chris is like, oh, how the turntables have... <laughs> you are now the one holding a gun on me! Okay, Cause what? Because Chris was chasing John, and he's like, now you want me dead! And John's like, I don't even think about you, dude. I just don't want you to kill us all. These situations are not analogous. Oh, anyway, then... Crace reveals that he is, he's got these lesions all over his body. Mm-hmm. Essentially, being in control of Talon has caused his body to start to, like, decompose. Like, there's too much energy in his body for his body to contain it. Yeah, if you want a Crace uh, shirtless scene, here you go, people who want to see Crace shirtless. And covered in lesions and squirming on the floor. Okay, so that reminds me of when I worked in a movie theater, mm-hmm. and we were showing the movie Ex Machina. Yes. And these dude bros came to the box office when I was working, and they were, like, asking about what the movies were about, because it was a, you know, we showed indie films, so there wasn't a lot of mainstream stuff they'd heard of. Mm. And one of the guys goes, ooh, Ex Machina, do you see boobies in that movie? And technically you do right before she peels all her skin off. So I was like, Yes. And he was like, oh, let's go see that movie. And they all went to see that movie. And I was like, that is not going to be... The- These are not the movies you're looking for. <laughs> it's like that, right? The shirtless scene of Grace. This is not the shirtless scene you're looking for. I never actually saw them, but I'm assuming that was part of the thing with the species movies. Did, did you? I haven't seen the species movies either. But they're about like these aliens that come to Earth to mate with human men and then eat them probably i don't know they i'm mostly familiar with them through uh this is gonna date me uh blockbuster always had you know right right because the posters were very striking yeah and i'm like i'm assuming that you know the sexy ladies turn into horrible monsters at some point but also i think maybe they were just kind of softcore porn movies okay i might be thinking of a totally different movie Mm -hmm. but isn't that the movie where the species was like genetically engineered by the two scientists and then like thinking of a different movie okay what movie am i thinking of oh god i don't remember the name of it now but it was one of it's like species it's one of those one word things but yeah where the and then the guy scientist starts having sex with the alien yeah yeah okay i think adrian brody was in it Yeah, yeah yeah But no, Species was a lot cheaper in, in the 90s or... Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, I guess this is not the naked scene you were looking for, is a... Uh... Again, I didn't see the Species movies, so they could just be... No, but like nude scenes that aren't actually sexy. I think that's that's a whole trope. Especially if it makes you think it's going to be sexy and then it's way not. Yeah. Again, Ex Machina. You see her breasts and then she peels her skin off. Exactly. But yeah, the point is that Talon, like, it can't be contained by a human. That's why pilots are gigantic puppets. Mm-hmm. And... Or sebation, as the case may be. Oh, of course. And uh, I, sh- I should have clarified, because definitely a human couldn't handle it, but a sebation can't either. So Talon's, you know, interchange with Crace is causing him to freak out. So Aaron rips out a cable and uses it to knock Talon unconscious. John wakes up Crace, who he's started calling Bylar, which is Crace's first name. I'm just saying it. I feel like it's significant that he's calling him by his first name now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 
It's like, do you think it's kind of taking away the, the, the fear he had of him? Because he used to be the insane military commander of the, of the intro, right? I'm being hunted by an insane military commander, and now he's just... Some guy. Some guy. Like, he's not really a part of the crew. He's not really a threat anymore. I mean, he's a threat, but... He's much more of an emotional threat. But Grace talks about how he is having more and more trouble controlling Talon, about how this system is, you know, breaking his body down, and how Talon can kind of reverse it now and tap into him. You know what this episode is? What? This episode is those horror anthology show episodes with the with the ventriloquist dummy, where we find out at the end that the dummy is magical and it's actually controlling the uh, the ventriloquist. Mm. Smile time. Smile time is one of them, but there's also a Goosebumps like that and there's a Twilight Zone like that. Yeah, Slappy was basically the, uh, yeah, the sla- face of Goosebumps. Yes. I mean, he's, he's like their, their big guy. He's the mascot of the series. He is, even though only one of the books actually... Well, okay, I'm not going to get into how Slappy isn't doesn't actually appear. It's kind of, It's a whole thing! It's a whole thing! Well, to be fair, he was the twist villain in the first book he appeared in. But he, he there were follow-up books that were all about Slappy. Uh, no, no, actually, that's what I'm saying. The Night of the Living Dummy 2 and 3 were not about Slappy, even though he was, like, the face of the franchise. They were uh, they were different ventriloquist dummies. No, I'm pretty sure they were slappy. I read that uh, I read that Goosebumps blog about this. Reader beware. Yeah, blogger beware. Ah, blogger beware. But so I can't speak from personal experience. I didn't read the Goosebumps book as a kid, but I I do think he is the main character. He just wasn't in the first. It's it's like a Jason. It's like a Jason thing. Like he he's the twist villain right at the end of the first book. Because the first book's all about a dummy that's trying to enslave these two girls. And then in, like, the last chapter, he gets stopped by a different dummy that they own because they already belong to him. Okay, okay. I will take your word for it because I also did not read the Goosebumps book. I was... I was a little... I was just a little too old for the Goosebumps books. I was I was a Fear Street person. Ah, uh, see, I thought they were too scary at first, and then I finally read one and I thought it was too stupid. So... <laughs> Fair... Yeah. So, Aaron comes in, she's like, so, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, she says that she knocked Talon into sleep mode, which is why they all still have oxygen Mm. and gravity and stuff. But this is a temporary thing, they need to wake him up so that they can, you know, get out of the whale's gullet? Yes, gullet, gullet. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the esophagus of the whale. The esophagus of the beast. I'm surprised it hasn't coughed them out yet. I think it would have something for when its food doesn't want to go down into its stomach. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't just activate the vomit reflex and that they have to, like, do what they're going to do. Because I think if I tried swallowing something and it got stuck halfway down my throat, I'd be trying to Heimlich myself or something. Or... Someone needs to just slap that ship on the back, on the, on the back until it coughs up Talon. Because it feels like they should either be going down or going up, but it's it's odd that they have managed to stay in position. Well, I mean, they're attached with cables. Yeah, but, I mean, it feels like the ship should be getting shook by whatever. Right, right. Anyway, Stark realizes, Stark has the, the realization that he's covered in vomit, and oh, they should make the ship vomit. 
And Rigel's like, no, they're dead. Let's go home. I just want to go somewhere else. God, they're dead. And he makes this kind of, I don't want to say racist because they're all fake puppet people. But he makes this weird He says, of... be a good little Bannock and power up the pod. And considering that the Bannock are a slave race, that's not Kosher. great. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. It's it's not... It's, it's not what you want. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. So, Aaron comes to find John, who's, like, doing something with the ship. But who knows what, because they haven't figured out what they're going to do yet. And Aaron's like, why are you being such a jerk to, like, everyone all the time? And he's all like, I know you're in love with Grace. And she's like, what the hell? What the actual fuck, John? And he's like, Talon showed me a video of you two having sex. And and Aaron's like, Jesus space Christ. Do you remember that whole ass conversation we had about how sex is not a big deal between peacekeepers because it's literally just a way to blow off steam. Except it's different for you and me because I have an emotional connection to you. Also, she didn't actually have sex with Chris. Talon just made it look like she did. Yeah. Also that, but even if she did have sex with Chris, it doesn't belay an emotional connection. She gave him a whole ass speech about that. Right? Although, honestly, I would have appreciated it if they had kind of made the subtext here text, which is, which would have been, it's not that Aaron may or may not have had sex with Crace, it's that she took the attachment to Talon, which means she has a bond with Crace that she will never have with John. I just, I, I know they, blah, 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 we're dealing with, it's a human show written by human people from our particular society, mm-hmm. but I wish there had been more emphasis on the fact that it literally does not matter if Aaron actually had sex with Grace or not. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I wish they had made the subtext text. I wish he had been like, I don't care if you had sex with Grace. I care that you obviously want to form a family with him because you took the the control thing from Talon. Yeah, like, sex is not what you should be worried about here, John. Yeah, agreed. I agree. So Stark is like, hey, guys, I'm calling over the comms to tell you that I figured out how you can get out. And they're like, Stark, we're having a conversation right now. Yes, Stark has realized that vomiting is the way out of the situation, which I I suppose is true for most situations. Yeah. Vomiting will get you out of a lot of stuff. Yep. Especially if it's exploding vomit, which it will be in this case, because they're going to uh, feed the budong a whole bunch of ice And then they're going to dump the fuel, Talon's fuel, and when the ice and the fuel mixes, if there's an ignition source, it will explode and propel them out of there. And they're like... Wouldn't they mix in its stomach? Or would... No, no, they're going to do it all in the mouth. They have to... That's why they have to explode it in the mouth. No, no, I know, but, like, how does the budong eat anything? Well, I... I would Would the stomach fire incinerate it before those things mixed in the stomach? Maybe his stomach has, like, a, st- a kind of plating that makes it okay if the explosion happens in the stomach. Maybe those explosions are what powers him. I mean, this whole thing is... It's pointless to talk about it, because it do- it deeply, deeply does not matter. The point is, uh, somebody needs to be outside of the ship to mix these two things. Well, so they need an ignition source, and they're like, well, we don't have weapons, we don't have engines, 
And Aaron's like, oh, those harpoons that we shot to attach us to the, to, to the budong, those have warheads on the tips. Because that's not what they're for. They're not for attaching to budongs. They're for shooting at things. So John has Wait, then why are they attached to... I don't know. That makes no sense. <laughs> if you're shooting something at something else that's going to explode, you don't want to be attached <laughs> to that explosion. I don't know well... what the plan is. But the point is, that's where the warheads are. So John has to go outside the ship and get them. And then he has to get back in before they explode them or else he'll die. Because that's what happens if you're outside in an explosion. So it's an explosion that needs to be manually triggered. I just... Well, he's got it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like this episode the first time we watched it, and deeper, deeper exploration of it is not helping. Really? Because the more we talk about how absurd this episode is, the more I'm liking it. I'm like, what? You're right! Why are the warheads attached to cables? That doesn't make any sense! Oh. Anyway, John detaches the warheads. And he's like, hey guys, um, can you let me back in so that I cannot explode? And Talon is blocking him from being seen by Aaron and Crace. What a turd. Yup. Yup. And Stark is all like, you have to explode it now! And they're like, um, we, we kind of want John to not die. So Talon is like, nope, it's too late. John got ejected out. He's gone. He's gone now. Forget about John. John's not coming back. And Aaron's like, really? Show me, show me the airlock, Talon. And Talon shows Aaron the empty airlock. And she's like, young man, don't lie to me. <laughs> and then so Talon shows her the airlock as it actually is with John there. And she's like, that's what I thought. Yeah, she she merges with him and she goes down the hallway. I really like the shot the first few times they did it, but I feel like they might be relying on the same shots a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I, they probably did get some uh, some reuse in there. Anyway, this is this is when we've been saying the whole time that Talon is the one who's driving John away, but this is when Aaron and Crace realize that John isn't just being a jerk. He actually is being tortured by the ship because the ship doesn't want him around. And they're like, oh, maybe we should have listened to him. See, I wouldn't say tortured. I'd say bullied. Bullied. Yes. Yes. He's being bullied by the ship, especially because the ship is basically like with the thing where he's having the DRDs operate right around John so that he can't sleep. Haha, uh-huh, not touching you. Yep. That's definitely the I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Anyway, John is like, hey, uh, Talon, if you don't let me in, I'm pretty sure Aaron's going to be very, very mad at you because she likes me. Also, Crace is going to totally figure out that you're doing this and he's not going to be happy either. Okay, I love this because John is totally having a stepdad conversation with <laughs> Talon. I don't like a lot of this episode, but I do like John being like, look, I know that you're not happy to have me being a part of your family, and I'm not trying to replace your craze. I'm just trying to make your mom happy. Look, I love your mom, and she cares about me. Don't you think she deserves to be happy? We don't... We don't have to be enemies. Oh. Aaron... So Aaron runs down to save John... She she does so. They explode the the fuel and uh, you know, escape the Budong. <laughs> yeah, the Budong horks him up. 
The, bo- the budong horks them up. And Aaron pulls out the thing that was injected into her spine. She's like, yeah, we're not doing this. This is, this is all done. I'm Claudia Black. You don't want me to have lesions all over me. We're, we're not going to sell any of those, like, little action figures with the hand poking out of my sternum. The ones they did sell from DNA Mad Scientist? Yeah, like, those did not sell. We're not doing this again with a different thing. Yes. I don't know for a fact they didn't sell. It's just my theory that they didn't sell because they are available at every, like, reseller you see at every con. Mm. <laughs> like the Search for She-Hulk trades. Avengers Search for She-Hulk. You always see, like, dozens of those trades at uh, cons. Oh, I was not aware of that. So, yeah. John's back on board now. Aaron has disconnected from Talon, and they escape from the Budong, so yay? Happily ever after? That's mag-fucking-neato. And Aaron gets all sentimental because she thought John might die, but of course he didn't, so that's nice. What a fresh new thing for this show. <laughs> I do like that uh, Talon has his own kind of design thing. Mm-hmm. He has a, his own design aesthetic that's not quite... Leviathan and not quite Peacekeeper, but somehow both. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good for a toddler. Yeah. So, uh, Crace holds up the little uh, projection things in front of Aaron. He's like, okay, yeah. So Talon was trying to cause drama by showing John these hollow clips of the two of us doinking. Which he, and this is when he says, he says some of the entries are very creative. Which is telling us that they did not, in fact, have sex. Hmm. And uh, I, I think that's good that he gives them to Aaron and is like, so sorry. I'm so sorry that our kid deep faked porn of us to, to piss off your boyfriend. That is that is not how I raised him. It's not, it's not what you want. <laughs> Oh, so Aaron goes to talk to John and she's like, um, I didn't actually have sex with Grace. And he's like, whatever. I'm not your boss. You can do whatever you want. Hmm. And I mean, obviously that's not how he feels. Yeah. And they have a speechy speech about how Aaron loves him and how she has all of these emotions and, you know, blah, blah, blah. She, she, uh, special place in her heart or whatever. And she didn't know what love was until, you know, he showed her. Yeah, she's all like, you know, sex doesn't really mean anything, even though I didn't have sex with him, like you were saying. Uh, but when I have sex with you, it means something, because apparently I love you. Is this this thing you humans call love? The thing is, we, we've had this speech before. This is not a new thing for the two of them. This really feels like it's just rehashing other episode-ending things where they talk about... Okay, so there are two things that I feel like make it different. Okay. One is, we've had a lot of speeches where Aaron is like, I was living my life a certain way, and you came and you told me I could be more, and you showed me I could be more. This is this is the inverse of that. She's like, I was living my life a certain way, and you came and you fucked everything up. She tells him he's a plague, that he's destroyed her life. And, uh, then, and then the second thing that is different about this is that now they have a moment where... God, I keep going back to... It's funny that you said this reminds you of Star-Lord, because I keep going back to uh, Futurama on this. Mm-hmm. He's like, he shows... He, he wants her to look out at the stars with him, and he shows her the star charts that he's been making in his journal. 
And it's like that time keeps on slipping episode of Futurama where he pushes the stars into into Leela's name. Oh, I was thinking of uh, the Willow and Tara scene in Buffy where Willow talks about how she just makes up her own. Oh, actually, I don't remember if it's Willow or Tara who talks about how she did. I think it's actually Tara now. Uh, she talks about how she likes to make up her own constellations. Like she, she has to know the proper names for witchcraft, but she, you know, she's like, there's a small man with a hat looking uncomfortable, you know, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Cause he, he's talking about how he's renamed the stars. And he shows her the one star that he always starts with, essentially his North star, his constant to uh, mention something that lost stole. Mm. And he always names that one Aaron. Aaron is his constant. I do really like they're looking out the space window into space. And I do like how the scene is kind of shot from behind the window. So we see the reflection of space over their faces while they're having this conversation. It is a beautiful shot. And it ends with them kissing. So Aaron is all in on ScarJo. Yeah. They are officially a couple now. It's going to suck when he dies and she has to settle for regular John. Yeah, that's what happens. I assumed that's what was going to happen. I... Yeah, so, called it. <laughs> called that one. Yes. I just sort of assumed that's how that plot was going to go. She was going to fall in love with one of them, and then, and then that he... woman would die. Yep, that's that's what's going to happen. Does Other John ever get memory dumped from the dead one? Nope. So it's not a Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor situation, then? Yeah, no. So, yeah, that, uh, that was an episode. It was, um... It's funny, you liked it less talking about it. I liked it more talking about it. I wish they'd either leaned into the comedy more or leaned into the drama more. It feels like it's stuck in an awkward middle space. It's true that it it, it had a tone problem. Also, nothing goddamn happens. I would have liked the Talon fucking with John stuff, stepdad stuff, if it hadn't been like there's a situation we should be focusing on. Yeah, you're right. Instead of being swallowed by a budong, it should have been, like, a haunted house story. Like, it should have been the house. The house. It should have been the ship bullying John and no one really believing him and, like, a whole thing. Yeah. It, it just, it feels like they're not committing to either story because I feel like you could legitimately cut all of the budong stuff out and still have essentially the same episode. You could even still end with um, Talon spacing John and Aaron having to save him and, and Talon being like, what? I don't know where John is. You could have even ended with that. Yeah. Like, they'll... And the budong thing is a really solid hook for a plot, but they don't do anything with it. It's just the danger that needs to exist, which it doesn't. All right, you talked to me to the rewrite that it should have been. Although... You could get two good episodes out of this instead of one middling one. I want to be fair because Ben Browder wrote this episode and it's the first episode he wrote, so. Okay. The next episode that we're going to be doing is basically The Thing. It's called Losing Time and the Amazon Prime description is Moya's crew must find a malevolent energy being who is hiding in one of their bodies. Haven't we done this plot like 11 times? Yeah, but never with Jewel. It's a classic sci-fi plot. Just go with it. Okay. We're only in season three. We can't be recycling this plot yet. I mean, really, the virus thing, which was, I think... That was an amazing episode. Yeah, I think it's one of the strongest episodes. Like, you redo the crappy episodes no one liked. Redo the one where John gets stuck on a planet and becomes Robinson Crusoe. 
I mean, don't, because that don't was terrible. Don't redo that episode. But if you're going to remake something, don't remake good stuff. I mean, I know that is the instinct, but... That's a good point. Anyway. Well, let's wait until we watch it and see what you think. All right. I believe that will take us to our segments. I will, although I think our segments are going to be a little short this week, because our first segment is Strange Alien Creatures, and... I actually have something for this. Oh, please it, do. It's not It's not a big thing, but... And I don't know if it... If this is the case, I feel like this is the first time we've seen, uh, we've seen Talon's DRDs. Oh, it is! It is the first time, and his DRDs are very cool. Yeah, I do like how more warlike they look than Moya's, because Moya's look like maintenance things. They're, you know, they're yellow and black. They look like the things you set up when you're fixing stuff. Talon's are red. Yeah, and they do, they look like military drones as opposed to, yeah, like construction pylons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that, oh, all right, we do have a, I, I am corrected, we have a strange alien creature. Well, I mean, kind of. Yes. Do we have a distant part of the universe, which is which world building worked for you? Uh, none. Okay, I do have one. Even though it's, it, it feels like it shouldn't count, mm-hmm. because Krace already has the control that lets him control Talon, but I liked seeing it from, like, the point of view of what it looks like to be controlling Talon. Yeah. So, it's kind of a cheat, but I liked it. And our final segment is The Wonders That I've Seen, which is, did anything this episode emotionally resonate with you? I really liked Aaron talking about what it felt like to connect with Talon. Mm. I like that. And I like John's stepdad speech to Talon. I feel like that should have been more of the episode. I feel like the episode should have been more about Aaron connecting to Talon on this deeper level and Talon trying to push John out. Oh, see, that would have been so good because then at the end when she talks to John about how she connected to him on a deeper level, there could have been, like, parallels. This episode just needed, like, three or four or ten more drafts. Mm. But, yeah, there were things I liked about this episode. I just feel like it didn't hold together as a whole. And, again, I feel like it had a couple of really strong concepts that should have been their own episode so that there was more time to develop them. Maybe... Justin Manju should have taken the episode after Ben Browder wrote it and kind of done a pass over it. Hmm. But that'll do it for this week. Yeah. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, Benjamin, Kyle, Kate, and Jen. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at I Love TV Zines on Twitter, or at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. <laughs> <laughs>